I get like, oh no, no, I, I only want to learn the proper way of asking. I only want to, to, to speak proper English. I want to say it correctly. I don't want to sound vulgar. I, I hear this sometimes and it's really strange because, um, you know, this is the way people speak and it's useful to have a formal, distant way of speaking, but it's just as useful to have an informal, friendlier, more approachable way of speaking. And it's weird, there's more to this than just that though. People relate uh, informal English to being uneducated and even stupid. Some people think it makes you sound stupid. But if you go out there and watch people speak in the real world, when you watch people speak who aren't analysing their language, they're just speaking, you will see judges, lawyers, teachers, <laughs> doctors, everyone all speaking like trash. Have you ever walked away from an English lesson saying, what? How? Why does this language have to be so complicated? If you felt like this, you've either just walked out of a lesson on phrasal verbs or it was reported speech, or you were in the Arabic class by mistake. Don't do that again. Yeah, today we're talking about reported speech. What's that? What? You thought we'd be talking about Christmas because it's Christmas? Nope, we're not talking about Christmas. Not here. Not on the podcast. Never. But uh, if you do want something Christmassy, um, you can uh, head over to YouTube and on our YouTube channel, The Clark and Miller. I think it's just called Clark and Miller. Yeah, it's called uh, Clark and Miller Online English, but you just look up Clark and Miller, it'll, you'll find it. On the Clark and Miller YouTube channel, we've got a new video coming out uh, on Thursday, which is the 23rd of December, all about Christmas, um, and it covers lots of fun things. Um, answering questions like, did Charles Dickens invent Christmas? Was Christmas stolen from the pagans? And why do we have Christmas trees? and more. All these questions are answered and more. So yeah, if you want something Christmassy, go there because no Christmas here. Thank you very much. Today we're talking about reported speech and why reported speech can be a bit of a waste of time. Uh, here's why. Well, reported speech is strange. It has lots of complicated rules and it doesn't feel very instinctive for most learners. I mean, like you have all this weird stuff, like somebody says, oh, you need to, you need to know. And then you just hear, oh, he told me that I had to know, or she told him that they had had four seasons, or it gets very complicated and very confusing. And it's not very instinctive. Uh, even for, for so-called native speakers or first language speakers. Um, but, you know, that's not its biggest crime. Reported speech's biggest crime is that it's just not very common. It's not very useful out in the real world. I mean, like, for an example, you know, I can spend a whole evening with friends, you know, from different countries, some first language English speakers, some second language English speakers, and I could just be hanging out with people for hours and hours and maybe end up with one or two examples of reported speech in a whole evening. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, whoa, this guy, he, he, he sits down and analyzes people's language. Well, yeah, in a way, I can't help it. I'm, I'm always sort of 
analyzing language, never judging it, just, just observing it, just observing it. And I notice, I notice things like this. I notice when, when people are using non-standard reported speech, which happens most of the time. We just don't use what's called reported speech, what the course books and the lessons call reported speech. We don't use it much. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, it has its place, you know, when we're in formal or academic settings, reported speech is probably the best way to report somebody's speech. And, um, you know, even in some more formal business settings, it's better to use this standard reported speech stuff. Um, and also, of course, if you've got like a, an exam and they're testing you on reported speech, yeah, you need to know reported speech because of the exam, which is obviously kind of stupid, but that's a lesson for another time. One of the biggest problems with uh, language learning at the moment is exams making language learning less successful. Anyway, that's another another story. Uh, when we use reported speech, um, we it, it can be useful. We, we're very clear. It helps us be more precise. Um, but of course, you know, because it's quite formal and very precise and very sort of almost technical, it makes us sound a bit cold and distant. And, you know, in a lot of settings, even a lot of business settings, it's it's better to be more relatable and, and less distant and less cold. You want you want people to like you. You want, you want to be able to, to riff with people. You want to be able to like chat and and hang out and, and have things very loose and, and, and flexible. And reported speech can kind of stop that process from happening. And okay, before lots of angry emails turn up, I want to be clear about something here. And um, this whole point about reported speech, the stuff they teach you in formal, like, like traditional formal English, and that being a problem is actually part of a bigger problem, a more general problem. And that's about how we perceive language, how we think we speak versus how we really speak. This is an argument I have with a lot of English learners and English teachers. Um, there's this obsession in English and, well, let's say in English language learning, there's an obsession that makes people want to be formal. When, when people are teaching English, they want to teach formal English. It's the proper English. When people are learning English, they want the proper English. They want this formal English. Like I said, it's useful, but it's cold and distant and it can be a problem. Let's say, for example, someone's learning how to do something simple. Let's say like, like asking the time, you know, a very simple action, asking someone for the time. And you've got this sort of classic way of doing it. Excuse me, can you tell me the time? Or what time is it? You know, something like that. Again, nothing wrong with that. Um, but you've also got other ways of asking for the time. You've got things like, got the time on you? Or what time do you make it? These are more informal, but they're just as common as the standard, the classics. Um, the slightly more formal ones. Excuse me, but do you have the time? Um... Yeah, so sometimes, you know, when I'm presenting learners, for example, with the classic and the informal alternative, I get like, oh, no, no, I, I only want to learn the proper way of asking. I only want to, to, to speak proper English. I want to say it correctly. I don't want to sound vulgar. I, I hear this sometimes, and it's really strange because um, 
you know, this is the way people speak. And it's useful to have a formal, distant way of speaking, but it's just as useful to have an informal, friendlier, more approachable way of speaking. And it's weird. There's more to this than just that, though. People relate uh, informal English to being uneducated and even stupid. Some people think it makes you sound stupid. Some YouTubers, whose name I'm not going to mention. Uh, and here's the thing. This is all about perception. On paper, informal stuff like, you know, got the time on you, informal stuff like that, it kind of looks bad, but that's because you're looking at it on paper in a relatively formal setting, you know, like in, a, in an English, in a language learning environment. So yeah, it, it sounds it sounds kind of yeah. Oh, look, look at that! It sounds it sounds terrible in this formal environment. <laughs> but if you go out there and watch people speak in the real world, when you watch people speak who aren't analysing their language, they're just speaking. You will see judges, lawyers, teachers, <laughs> doctors, everyone, all speaking like trash. And I, I'm not saying they either. I'm saying we, because we all do it. Um, and we don't even notice we're doing it. It doesn't feel like we're speaking like informally because speaking informally is kind of the, the natural state of speaking um, in most contexts. So yeah, why, why do we have a problem with it? Why, why don't, when we're learning a language or teaching a language in this language learning environment, why is, why is natural informal English such a no-no? Why is slang a no-no? Why is swearing a no-no? People do it all the time. And it's weird. After all this time, this is still a problem. I still have people saying, oh, I only want to learn proper English. Proper English is a tiny percentage of, of English. Anyway, I'm ranting. I aware, I'm aware of this. But yeah, it's like there's a massive difference between the way we think language is used and how it's really used. And I want you to try an experiment now. Um, in your own language, in your first language, whatever it is, sit down and try to imagine how people speak in your first language. Uh, so yeah, seriously, I want you to pause for a minute and imagine two people, let's say, buying something in a shop, you know, a customer and somebody at the till. Sit down, imagine a brief, you know, one minute interaction between, between two people in a shop. Okay, do it now, pause now, and we'll uh, come back to this. Okay, done. All right, so when I do this, here's what I imagine. I'm going to give you a sample from something I found on YouTube, which is approximately what, what I, I imagine when I think about two people having an interaction in the shop. Hello. Hello. Can I help you? Yes, please. I would like a loaf of white bread, a dozen eggs and milk. Sure. How much milk would you like? I'd like two cartons of milk. Okay. Anything else? Yes. A small bag of flour and a bottle of oil. What kind of oil would you like? A small bottle of olive oil, please. Here you are. Will that be all? Yes, that's all. How much is it? That's $23. Here you are. And here is your receipt. Could you please give me a bag? Yes, of course. Okay, familiar, right? This is a, like classic textbook <laughs> learn English stuff. And yeah, this is 
actually come from an English learning video. And to be fair, I don't want to diss this video because it is, it, it is useful for low-level learners, but this isn't how anyone speaks, except for people who, who are um, learning, learning the language. So why did I imagine it like that? Because genuinely, when I picture a conversation in English, so-called natural conversation, it does end up being like that, very, very, very standard and formal. But why did I do that? Well, that's because there is a big difference between the way we imagine we speak and the way we actually speak. We have this sort of idealized speaker in our heads, a speaker who doesn't really exist. And since I've been teaching English, like this has been, what, 16 years, 17 years teaching English, I'm struggling with this, this speaker when I'm trying to think of natural examples. This speaker who doesn't exist, this idealized speaker keeps trying to interrupt my imagination. And I end up with um, conversations in my head like the one I just played you. There's a difference between the way we imagine we speak and the way we actually speak. We're very bad at thinking of natural English, even if English is our first language. And yeah, if you really think about it, you know this already. You know that people don't follow scripts like the recording I just played you, like from this YouTube video. You know that we're usually, really, if you think about it, you know we're usually just much, much more relaxed. Those scripts, that way, that formal way of speaking, those scripts are great for people who are just starting out with English. They're like something we've all agreed on. You know, it's like a script. It's, it's a safety net, even. We, we experiment. We, we try different ways of speaking. We, we go more and more informal. But when things get tricky, we have that safety net. And that's really useful. So I'm not, again, like I want to say again, like formal English is fine. It's useful. And sometimes in emergencies, we can use it as a safety net. Uh, we don't follow these scripts unless we're learning a second language or we're feeling remote from the person we're speaking to. So, for example, maybe you're like in a situation where you're speaking with someone who's quite posh, quite upmarket, and you're not sure how informal you can go. You're feeling intimidated. So, to play it safe, yeah, you go for the formal cold but formal version. It's a safety net. It's safe. Um, or sometimes you're in a situation and you just can't read the other person. You can't figure out how they think, what they're thinking about you, that sort of stuff. You know, sometimes you just meet people and you can't read them. And then that's another good situation. The safety net. Go for the formal stuff. Those scripts, like the one I played you from that YouTube uh, sample that YouTube video. And also it's the same for reported speech. When I say reported speech, I mean like the classic standard reported speech, complicated, weird grid, um, lots of different rules, change the pronoun, change the past. If it's present perfect, use past perfect. If it's present, use past, you know, all of this stuff. If it's will, use would. If it's now, use then. Um, all of that stuff is quite useful when you're in these slightly desperate situations. That's why we have formal English. It's like, it's a safety net. So yeah, also, you know, it's a 
good for exams as well. Dreaded, dreaded exams. If, you, if you're taking an exam, it's testing you on reported speech. Yeah, you're going to need to learn reported speech because the exam's asking you to. Nothing you can do about that, I'm afraid. But yeah, when you're looking at sort of much more like everyday normal conversation and every by everyday, I am including things we think of as formal situations like in the office, at work, we don't really use reported speech. We kind of speak a lot more loosely, a lot more informally. And you'll hear it. You'll hear it a lot. So even if you don't want to use it, you still need to be able to recognize it because other people will use it and you can't stop them. And you need to be able to understand them. So I want to look at um, sort of alternatives to reported speech or like different ways of reporting speech, which are very, very common. And we're going to look at three, three reported speeches to, to use a, a grammatically incorrect uh, turn of phrase. So yeah, let's get going. Uh, let's start with reported speech one. He was like, I like saying that. He was like, he was like, okay. So um, I want to talk about traffic cones. Uh, you know, traffic cones, they're those sort of triangular, or usually orange and white things that you get on motorways and roads when people are built like, working on the road and you know it's a way to divert traffic you know the orange sort of pyramidy thing traffic cones now i don't know about where you're from but um there's this weird sort of thing in the uk which is um that it's quite standard for university students to uh like steal traffic cones they they go out they go into town they probably have a few too many drinks and they take a traffic cone home and it's kind of like a, a badge of honor. It's like a, a stupid thing that, that you're supposed to do when you're in your first year at university. It's a weird thing. It's, a, it's like a cliche in the UK. It might also actually just be a bit of a 90s thing and I'm showing my age. But yeah, we're going to talk about traffic cones and stealing traffic cones. And um, I'm gonna, we're going to start with a, a conversation between Barry and Karen. So yeah, listen to this, um, listen to this conversation uh, to Barry and Karen. This is uh, the first part of Barry and Karen's uh, adventure in this podcast episode. Okay, here we go. Here's their conversation. No way! Go on, it'll be fun. No, we'll get into trouble. It's cool. I've done it before and I never got uh, into trouble. Oh, you, you've done it before, really? Yeah, Ali and I did it last week. Uh, I've got three of them now. Uh, uh, okay. There we go. So that's it. So uh, obviously, Barry ends up going, okay, I'll steal the traffic cone. But you know what happens next? Well, uh, the police turn up and Karen runs away. And uh, Barry, Barry's stuck with the police. Um, no Karen. She's a coward. Karen's a coward. But um, yeah, Barry's stuck with the traffic cone and the police and he has some explaining to do, right? So uh, this is what he says. So we're going to listen to Barry talking to the police about what just happened. And I want you to pay special attention to the language here. Okay, we're going to hear Barry describing his conversation with Karen. And you get the idea. We're, we're going to analyze the way he reports the speech. So here we go. Here's, here's Barry talking to the police. 
Then she was like, go on, it'll be fun. And I was like, no way, man, we'll get into trouble. But she's like, it's cool. I've done this loads of times before and I never got into trouble. Then I was like, really? And she says, yeah, Ali and I did it last week. That's when I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. Okay, I'm going to play that one more time because that was fast. But yeah, here it is. Pay attention to the way Barry reports the speech. Then she was like, go on, it'll be fun. And I was like, no way, man, we'll get into trouble. But she's like, it's cool. I've done this loads of times before and I never got into trouble. Then I was like, really? And she says, yeah, Ali and I did it last week. That's when I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. Okay, interesting thing number one. He says, she's like, right? That's the main thing we've noticed, right? He doesn't say she said, he says she's like. And after that, he doesn't use the reported speech structure, right? He, he just goes direct. Uh, he says things like, um, she was like, go on, it'll be fun. Uh, and I was like, no way, man. And she was like, it's cool. I've done this loads of times before. We're not converting anything. We're not changing the pronouns. We're not changing the tenses. It's just she's like, or she was like, and what she said. Basically, instead of she said, it's she's like. And, and this flows more. It, it's easier to say, and it, it creates um, an opportunity for a very small sound, she's like, to just signal each part of the speech. So it's easier to describe a lot of different speech, which is what Barry is doing to the police who don't believe him at all. Interesting thing number two. Also, did you notice that Barry switches between the past and the present? Uh, sometimes he says, um, she was like, go on, it'll be fun. And then he also says, but she's like, it's cool. So he's jumping between the past and the present. This is actually quite a nice technique um, because when you use the present, things feel a bit more real. It gets a bit more, um, a bit more tense. Your story becomes more exciting because when you bring things to the present, well, they're more present, aren't they? And um, we do this all the time. We actually switch when we're talk telling a story. Um, you people switch a lot. You know, you can say something like, yeah, I was walking down the street uh, the other day and then then suddenly, suddenly I, I see a strange woman and she comes up to me. It's a very natural switch there. I was walking down the street, she comes up to me. You're, you're making things more intense when you move to the present. And that's totally fine. We do this with she was like and she's like all the time. Interesting thing number three, mixing it up. Okay, Barry really likes saying she's like, or she was like, or I'm like, or I was like. It's his kind of go-to uh, way of reporting speech. But, you know, he doesn't just use that. He mixes it up. He also says um, she says, or she said, and I said, or I say. Um, again, mixing the present and the past, but also mixing uh, she's like with she says, and every variation of that. And that's fine. You know, when you're reporting something, you want to stop things being boring. If you repeat something too much, people's brain kind of switches off a little. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's good. Mix it up. Make things exciting. Interesting thing number four. He doesn't report the exact words that Karen says. I mean, first of all, he can't remember every word Karen said, right? I mean, when you're 
like reporting something that somebody said, you don't remember every single word. When you're listening to someone, you don't remember every word they say. You remember the message. You can remember what they were trying to tell you, not exactly what they were saying. So when you're reporting, yeah, you want to give the gist. You want to give the general meaning. You want to give the message. You don't really care about the exact words used. That's the message is what you're reporting, not the words themselves. So again, yeah, you don't feel obliged to <laughs> report people's exact words. You'll spend more time trying to remember them than actually having a conversation with someone. Okay. So that's uh, Barry and Karen. Um, I can't tell you what happened uh, to uh, Barry and Karen with the police because I haven't written that part of the story and I don't think I ever will. But if you're interested, yeah, let's, let's do a write-in. Tell me what happens next. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun thing to do. I just decided that, that that's something we can do. Let's do that together. Tell me what happens next. What do you think happens to Barry? What do you think happens to Karen? Do the police ba believe Barry's story? Does he get into trouble? Let's see what happens. We're going to find out. You're going to finish this story. I'm looking forward to those emails. Okay, moving on. Uh, situation number two. Uh, this is reported speech two. First of all, let's meet Adam. Adam is gullible. He believes anything you tell him. Uh, if you told him that you know, people from Mars have just landed and that they're about to take over Amazon, not the forest, but the company, then uh, yeah, he'll just believe you. It's not that he's trusting, it's worse. He's gullible. He believes anything. Uh, Adam is also bald. Uh, he has no hair, um, which is fine. You know, there's no, no problem with that. But he, he doesn't like it too much. He's, not, he's a bit self-conscious about his baldness. And one day, Adam meets Shirley. And this is how the conversation goes between Adam and Shirley. Hi, Adam. I've got these fantastic pills. They're amazing. Really? What do they do? They make your hair grow back. Oh, ooh, wow, wow. Can I have some? Sure. But if you want them to work, you have to take one a day for six months. Oh, no problem, no problem. How much? They cost five pounds. Oh, okay, okay. Per pill. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh dear, silly man, right? Gullible man, gullible Adam. Let's call him gullible Adam from now. So now he's taken these pills, these really, really, really expensive pills, and he still doesn't have hair. He's still bald. But not only that, his head is now purple. Those pills turned his head purple. Um, yeah, the pills really, really screwed him over here. Um, well, I guess it's not really the pills, it's Shirley. Shirley screwed him over here. Um, so yeah, how does Adam report back to his friends about this rather ridiculous situation he's in? So we're going to listen to Adam talking to his friends and um, yeah, as usual, pay attention to the way he reports his conversation with Shirley. We're going to analyze it later. We're going to listen to it twice. Here it is first time. So I saw Shirley and she's like, I've got these amazing pills. And I said, what do they do? And she went, they make your hair grow back. So I was like, can I have some? And she says, sure, but you've got to take them six months and they're five pounds a pill. It's expensive, but I really wanted my hair back. So I go, sure, let's do it. Now my head is purple. Okay, and let's listen to that again. So I saw Shirley and she's like, I've got these amazing pills. And I said, what do they do? And she went, 
they make your hair grow back. So I was like, can I have some? And she says, sure, but you've got to take them six months and they're five pounds a pill. It's expensive, but I really wanted my hair back. So I go, sure, let's do it. Now my head is purple. Okay, so here the formula is the same. Instead of she's like, it's she went or she goes. That's it. She goes, like the verb go. Um, so yeah, he says stuff like, and she went, they make your hair grow back. Or so I go, sure, let's do it. So yeah, I go, she goes, she went, I went. So it's, it's a bit like she's like, you know, it's the same sort of thing going on. She's like, I want to go. She went, I want to go. She said, I want to go. They're all the same. She's like, she went, she said. And again, uh, we have this nice mix of using the past and the present. Things become more intense when you use the present. So she went, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, blah, blah, blah. We're suddenly a bit more in the story. Um, this is also partly because of laziness. But yeah, when we use the present, it just has more impact. Um, I actually cover uh, this whole use of the present and how, how effective it can be in the podcast episode way back in episode six of this podcast. The episode is called The English Verb, and we look at the way different tenses do different things. Um, so yeah, if you haven't listened to that, do check that out. Uh, we cover this way that the present has so much impact. It's more present. Um, but yeah, also back to uh, to gullible Adam. Uh, there's uh, something else he does. He mixes it up. He uses um, I, I, uh, she's like, I said, she went, I was like, she says, I go. So yeah, he's really mixing them up. And that's good. Don't repeat too much. When you repeat, people switch off. Try to mix it up a little bit. Um, but there is one big difference between she's like and she goes. She goes is usually for a response. It's like an answer to a question. So you can say something like, I'm like, what the hell is that? And she goes, oh, don't worry about that. That's just Barry. Or um, I ask, how much does it cost? And she goes, not much. We'll worry about that later. It's usually a kind of response. Okay, last example, reported speech three, last but not least. Uh, and this one uh, is, is probably the most like the sort of reported speech we learn at school, um, but without the obsessive rules. Let's call it like a half reported speech. And it's very common. All of these are very common. Everything we're looking at today is very common. Uh, but first, Let's meet our characters for the example. Uh, let's meet Joe and Emma. Uh, Joe and Emma are super in love. And here is what Joe is telling Emma in one of her very expressive moments. Emma's a very expressive person. Um, and yeah, here's, here's Emma talking to Joe. I love you so much. I loved you when I first saw you. I love you now and I'll love you forever. I want to give you a piece of a rainbow in a big red box. Okay, that's sweet, isn't it? That's very nice. Emma's nice. Emma's nice. Emma and Joe are a lovely, lovely couple. And yeah, that's some serious love right there. And good for them. But the problem is most people don't believe in Joe and Emma's relationship. They think that Emma is just using Joe because Joe's parents are rich. Joe's a rich kid. 
and and people just don't really believe that Emma is really in love with her. So finally, Joe's family challenge Joe about Emma because they don't believe in the love either. Um, And Joe tells them what Emma said. So as usual, uh, pay attention to what happens with the way that Joe reports Emma's speech. We're going to listen to this twice, as usual. So uh, yeah, here it is. Um, Here's Joe and... Well, this is Joe talking to her parents. Emma just wants our money. There's no real love there. But she says she loves me so much and she loved me when she first saw me and she loves me now and she'll love me forever. She also said she wants to give me a piece of rainbow in a big red box. Why red? I don't know. Okay, let's listen to that one more time, just so you can really get a feel for it. Emma just wants our money. There's no real love there. But she says she loves me so much, and she loved me when she first saw me, and she loves me now, and she'll love me forever. She also said she wants to give me a piece of rainbow in a big red box. Why red? I don't know. Okay, so this is actually quite familiar, right? This is a, a, a lot like the reported speech we know from school. Um, but the thing is, this is more indirect. Unlike those classic reported speech rules where I love you becomes she loved me and uh, we have this change of tense. Uh, I, I, he went there, became you had gone there or whatever. Um, there's no change of tense, just the change of pronoun. That's why we have this half-reported speech. I loved you when I first saw you becomes she loved me when she first saw me, not she had loved me when she first saw me. We don't bother changing the tense. Why? Well, it's easier, that's for sure. And we're lazy, so, you know, it's just easy not to bother. And, you know, we just don't bother all the time. We're lazy. Human beings are lazy animals. That's why we invented farming, right? But there's some other reason going on here. Joe is using the same tense that Emma used. When she says, um, she said she loves me so much and that she loved me when she first saw me and that she loves me now and that she'll love me forever. This is the same tense that Emma was using. It's like we're hearing Emma's voice, not Joe's. Joe is making this speech more Emma's. It becomes more real as well. It's closer to the present. You know, when we convert things to the past, they become more distant. Um, So it becomes more real and more convincing. It's not just laziness. This is a natural thing to do. And uh, there's another interesting thing happening here. This is reporting a long piece of speech, right? Because Emma was very expressive. She was saying a lot of things at once. And Joe is reporting a long thing that Emma was saying. This isn't a conversation where you have one person speaking, then one person speaking, then another person speaking, then back to the first person speaking. It's just like a, a sort of monologue. She said is very good for that. She went and she's like the other two reported speeches we've looked at today, she went and she's like, they're better for the flow of a conversation. Person A, person B, person A, person B. She's like, I want to go. And I go, nah, we're, we're staying right here. And she went, why? And I'm like, you see, I go and she's like, and she goes and I'm like, this stuff is very good for making quick 
fire conversational reports, reporting conversations that move quickly. If it's one long thing, like Emma's, and it's like Emma's mad expression of love, then said is good because it's one long thing. Said works better. So yeah, that's it. Those are the three the three ways of reporting speech um, that happen a lot. She's like, she goes, or she went, and she said. I mean, the half reported speech, but just don't bother converting the tense. So yeah, what lessons can we learn today? Well, the first and the most important one here is believe in true love. I believe in Emma. I believe Emma's telling the truth. I believe they're really in love. And uh, yeah, believe in true love. That's what the memes on Facebook say, right? So it must be true. Also, uh, another thing we've learned today is don't trust Shirley when she tries to sell you pills. But also, and I think maybe this is probably the most relevant if you're learning English, don't obsess with rules. Do what feels more natural and don't approach learning a language with I only want to speak properly or I only want proper English. If you do that, not only will you find it difficult to understand people out in the real world, but you'll also find it difficult to bond with people, to form relationships. Speaking properly and correctly all the time kind of makes you sort of cold and distant and that's not going to help you make friends. So yes, it's useful. I'm not saying that there's no place for this stuff, but it is not the most useful thing if you're trying to bond with people and you're trying to make friends and things like that. And also it just doesn't help spending so much time thinking about rules uh, if you want to just communicate. Informal language is there for a reason. There's a time and a place for formal stuff, but most people, including well-educated people like <clears throat> myself, most people use informal language all the time, even at work in business settings. You'd be surprised. What we think, how we think we speak is different from how we really speak. And how we really speak is a lot more informal than we like to believe. And also it's just more fun. It's more fun saying stuff like, she's like, yeah, and I'm like, no. And he goes, why? And then he's like, I don't know. And that's probably a good place to leave it today. So yeah, well, thanks very much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking at you next time. Meanwhile, please be sure to check out the YouTube channel. Um, it's it's growing and it's, it's getting really fun uh, making more and more videos. I'd love some feedback in it. Do the like, do the subscribe, comment. Let's Let's have fun with this stuff. And yeah, I will talk at you next time. Ciao for now.